I didn't hear my own either, so I, like, you know, clap. There we go. Are you recording, Jess? Yeah. Okay. Did I it can't. I can't see my waveform though. Uh, but it turns out we are content creators, and this is a very special episode of the Halcyon Frequency Podcast. Welcome in. Today we are joined by the fabulous Sui and the equally as fabulous Wawa Jess. Welcome in. How are you both? Good. How are you doing? Doing very well. Jess, how are you? I'm decent, given <laughs> given uh, the time of day, I guess. It's nearly my bedtime. Same. I'm about to head to bed too. Well, we'll uh, get you there soon. But first, we are going to be talking about how we got into streaming. Now, I know that there has already been an episode that has gone out uh, involving, I believe it was Blind, uh, Kiri, and Bellinaire. And uh, but we're going to give a, I guess, a bit of a perspective about our backgrounds and how we kind of got into everything. How are you feeling about this, Jess? I look forward mm. to hearing about about you too. Well, I guess like the obvious place to start what would be like what were each of our original interactions or involvement in Twitch? Like how do we end up coming to the platform? Mine's like a really long story actually. <laughs> well, we've got some time. Yeah, so <laughs> um I I started like getting into more mainstream multiplayer gaming back in like 2011, 2012, somewhere in there. And um, I remember finding this YouTuber on who was playing Minecraft and I ended up joining their community and then I found out they streamed and um, I think they started streaming like after that. I think it was Twitch at that point. I don't think it was Justin TV. It was a different account and stuff back then, too, that I was on. Um, but I was part of their community. I was too young to stream. Um, and then uh, after I was done with being in that community, in, like, 2015, I was in high school. I was busy being a high schooler, and I kind of tapered away from the internet for a little while. So that's my start on Twitch. Yeah, right. What about uh, you, Jess? What were your... How did you end up coming to Twitch for the first time? Well, it it ties directly into the topic, actually, because when... I don't know, I don't know where to begin with this. When I started streaming, it was, it, that was my first time on Twitch. But the how I got there was... I was actually like... This was back in maybe 2017, and I was very unfamiliar with the world of content creation and like people making content about games... Don't ask me how, I don't know, in 2017, I was very unfamiliar with it all. And actually, Solendre had an old friend from high school who started doing content creation like on YouTube and Instagram and things. And he showed her stuff to me and I was just like, whoa, people do this? Like, they play games on the <laughs> internet? <laughs> and so I was like, what is Twitch? I'm going to look at Twitch. Twitch is cool. I'm going to do this too. And there we go. That's wow. That's how I, I mean, while I told it's, half it's, of my feels, story. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like such a big leap 
to go from not knowing about Twitch to being like, okay, I'm going to be streaming. This is how I'm, you know, this is, this is me now. This is what I'm doing. Oh yeah. No, it was just, it was completely random and it was, it was really quite the jump and it was a lot of culture to learn. Mm. Oh my gosh. I it was, know. it was so much culture and like my, my first viewer um, like for, for a long time, like, cause I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I was streaming to like one or two people and I had one viewer who was like very into Twitch culture and he like schooled me on it all. Uh. <laughs> like, this is what all these global emotes mean. And like, this is, this is this, and this is that. So you and I think were, that's what actually kept me going because I, I probably would have given up. You were on the fast track to PogChamp then. Yeah. <laughs> It took me a while to learn too. Um, I definitely had viewers who they'd say something in chat and I'd be like, what does that mean? Like it still happens today. I literally learned like two weeks ago what slash S means. Apparently that's sarcasm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just <laughs> didn't know forever. And I just kind of just was like, well, that's a weird face and moved on. <laughs> I thought it was an emoji. <laughs> that reminds me of the, fa the fact that I... It wasn't until after I was partnered I learned about P BTTV and stuff like that and, like, those oh. other emote platforms and stuff like that. And there was a couple of friends that I w were with that were just furious with me for just being so completely ignorant. Uh, and it was... How can they be mad at you for that? <laughs> <laughs> it's more like, how can you be so out of touch and yet be partnered on, on Twitch? You know, I think that was more the, the angle. <laughs> like, how dare you have the audacity? But it's like, how I always just assumed that people just had funny messages, that it was like a bit of a meme to be like, you know, rat jam or something like that. I didn't realize <laughs> there was a gif or something. Because I'll just be like okay, watching I, on mobile. I went through that for a while, yeah. But I, I think I might have figured it out. I don't know when you got partnered. Oh man! But I, maybe I figured that out sooner than you. Figured it out way sooner. I was like a week in, and my chat was like, "Get BTTV, add emotes to your channel. Let's go." Yeah. No, I was. I was not like that. But I mean, I. So I. I had a very like almost a polar opposite experience of jess in terms of actually coming to twitch for the first time and it was much more kind of gradual exposure because i first came to twitch in 2013 uh, i think it was 2013 it would have been around then i was living in the uk at the time and i read an article about twitch plays pokemon and i was like oh man that sounds really cool i want to you know take part in this and so I used Twitch for a couple of weeks to be part of the whole Twitch Plays Pokemon thing. And then I didn't touch it again until about 2017 or so. And, it, and at the time, I was in the midst of a massive obsession with CSGO. And I was... Pub, PUBG. PUBG was the big one in 2017. It was. It was, yeah. That was how I first found Co-Carnage. Oh, was it? <laughs> Uh, yeah and it wasn't even like a oh this guy's huge because he's co it was just like oh who's this person in the beanie playing PUBG? <laughs> <laughs> i'm like after watching him for like a few weeks was like oh i think this guy's like kind of famous <laughs> yeah that's just so good that's hilarious oh, but yeah. i was um i was i was in the midst of of playing uh csgo a whole bunch 
And I eventually just randomly one day came across uh, a, a player on the other team who was, who was streaming. They had their Twitch handle in their name and I just you know clicked over just out of curiosity. And they were really entertaining and really funny. And I was just like, oh, you know, I'll hang out and watch this. And up until then, I was definitely one of those people that would be kind of like, you know, you watch people play video games. Like, you know, come on. If you want to play video games, just play video games yourself. What are you doing watching people? And then I <laughs> I think I, I remember having my first interaction with this streamer and she was like, I don't know, she had like probably like 20 to 30 people watching her. And like she responded to my message and stuff like that. And I was just like, in that moment, I was like, oh, I get it. I get why this is <laughs> an appealing prospect because it's entertainment and interactivity at the same time. And that was kind of the moment where I was like, you know what? I would love to be able to stream. Unfortunately, at the time, I was not, I had, did not have good enough internet to be able to do so. And it wouldn't be for, I think, another. Uh, year or so until I had good enough internet to be able to stream uh, classic Australia story you know and I feel like you guys have like very sudden stories compared to me actually because like um I always was interested in making content like when I was like I don't know when I like 2011 or something um uh I decided to post to YouTube actually videos of little me singing right uh yeah oh my mom ended up finding it because we had a mutual friend on facebook and i was telling all my facebook friends about it you know because we played facebook games and it was like random people <laughs> typical facebook got it yep and um and then they sent it to my mom and i literally got grounded from my computer for like a week right and for posting on YouTube? Yeah, because I was like a little kid singing a cover and it was like showing my face and everything and my mom didn't want creeps looking at me. But like, I didn't get any warning that like, hey, maybe I shouldn't do this. It was never a conversation. It was just suddenly, hey, uh, you're grounded. You, you need to not do that. So, um, yeah, I didn't not do that. <laughs> In, like, 2012, like, a year or two later, I literally was posting videos of, um, me playing a game that I loved at the time, and, um, I, it was, like, a th it was, like, basically a little, like, social game not too different from Club Penguin, and, uh, it wasn't Club Penguin, but it was similar, right? And you could talk in, like, a text chat. So instead of using, like, my voice or showing my face, I would just, like, do, like, little music videos because it was the music video era. You all know what I'm talking about. The YouTube music video era where it was, like, popular to post uh, music videos. You know, make little videos to songs and stuff. Um, and I also made, like, these little stories and stuff. And so that was, like, a huge thing I did uh for a long time and i remember like literally editing the mu the like videos in um windows movie maker back when that was a thing mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> it was it was bad it's cringe i occasionally look at it still and it's, it's cringe. <laughs> oh no oh no yeah that that's, that would probably kill me a little bit inside <laughs> oh i don't have access to the email anymore that's on that account so that account is up there forever oh no oh, <laughs> 
It's well, there like, you go. If anybody of, wants to go digging. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck finding it. But because um, it wasn't under the name Suey, it was like long before Suey existed, you know? Yeah. Um, And then. So it's a su- Suey Easter egg. Yeah, it does exist out there. I mean, there's also in high school, I posted a few covers on the SoundCloud, which I haven't actually really talked about before, but I think one of them got like 5,000 views randomly. Wow. Um, And so I had like lots of little forays into content creation, right? And then um, when I graduated high school... And I was new to college in 2018. Uh, You know, like, I didn't have, like, a big group of friends I could hang out with all the time. Like, I had a bunch of spare time all of a sudden. And I was just kind of lonely because I didn't really know what to do with it. You know, like, a lot of my friends had gone out of state for college. I still stayed at my parents' house. And, like, making friends in college was proving kind of difficult because I was just at a community college. And I tried to find a place I belonged online, and it was it was messy and didn't go very well. So, <laughs> yeah, I tried, like, joining different uh, Discord servers and whatnot, and I didn't really find it. Um, and then I, at the time, I was watching a lot of RT Game Crowd on mm. YouTube, and I was just watching his streams, and I was just like... Man, it'd be so fun to stream, but I just don't have the internet for it. And then one day I was just like, why don't I have the internet for it? So I asked my parents if I could see like what their internet plan was and everything and how much they were paying. And I found one that was cheaper and fast enough to stream off of. And then like the day the new internet was in, I streamed. Wow. Um, And I was just so excited because I finally got to make a community where I felt like I belonged. Um, Because I was just really struggling to find a sense of belonging. Especially because, like, I had a lot of problems with, um, in high school, by the end, it just kind of felt like most everyone in my friend group didn't like me. You know, like, I'm pretty sure they did like me. It's just, like, it felt like it to some degree, right? So I had, like, this sense of not belonging. And I was really excited to find a place where I felt like I truly belonged. And so I made a little community over time. And, yeah. That's really nice. I didn't know, like, any of that. <laughs> it's a really long story. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. We're, we're here to talk about it. But I just, I had no idea. Mm. Yeah. It was loneliness and, like, feeling alone and wanting to find a place I felt like I belonged and like a place where you know people who I vibed with were there because I was just struggling to find anyone I vibed with you know like it can be hard to find people you actually get along with well it's it's surprising yeah well I think uh my journey into content creation on twitch may seem a little bit sudden from the phrasing before but it's worth noting that i was doing youtube for a long time before that like i was i think i've been uploading casually on youtube from like around 2010 2011 and i don't remember what channel that was under to be honest but there's probably some drongo gems out there 
However, my current channel, the Bloody Drongo channel, that came about in 2014, and that one has had, you know, somewhat consistent uploads on it ever since then. And, I mean, I think before I ever came to Twitch, I'd, you know, racked up, you know, a few hundred subscribers and, you know, a couple of hundred thousand views and stuff, something like that over the channel itself. I've unlisted a lot of the old videos now, but there's still, you know, a few of those older videos where you can see young, youthful Drongo if you're interested out there from, you know, six years ago, eight years ago, whatever. And so that for me was my creative outlet and I was very much, I enjoyed the idea of making stuff to entertain people and it started out as a way of entertaining my friends because we i used to play a lot of a game called worm online i still play it but i used to make youtube videos for that uh just strictly to entertain the group of friends that i had uh because we had this big uh pvp centric guild or, or faction in the game and so we used to make silly videos in that and that was kind of my big thing and starting off using like bandy cam and movie maker <laughs> it was a uh, whole it was a whole time it was it was a lot of fun actually but i you... really did not enjoy editing that was like my least favorite part of the whole thing so as soon as i had good enough internet like it used to take me i think tw uh for a 10 to 20 minute video it used to take me like six to seven hours to upload so, oh my gosh, same, dude. Yeah, okay, okay, really pain. quick, back to the, like the Vandy cam stuff. Did you ever have like the little thing where it showed like the um basically like a little star whenever you clicked? You know, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, a little star that it would show where it clicked. Yeah, like if you clicked, it would like show a little like thing on the screen. I I don't I think no it was Vandy cam that were, did that talking about <laughs> <laughs> okay well someone will know what i'm talking about and i thought that was the coolest thing <laughs> i don't i don't day. know the star i'm sorry suey yeah you could have like any, <laughs> it could be any color you wanted and it was like it would show where someone clicked it was it wasn't like a star star it was more like an asterisk oh oh do you mean like the little ping thing that it, you could do with it yeah right gotcha okay yeah, i, I remember thinking yeah, that was yeah. the coolest thing and only the cool kids would use that <laughs> okay it was so dorky <laughs> and then like i set mine to be pink and i i thought i was the coolest stuff for that oh man oh dear yeah no i <laughs> uh, there was there was a software before bandicam i just i'm trying to remember what it was but it had like a it had a watermark Oh, I forget. I forget what it was. Oh, was it Fraps? It might have been Fraps. Oh, yeah! Dude, I think that's what I'm talking about. Hold on, hold on. Yes, this is what I used. And this was the thing that had, like, the little ping whenever you mm. clicked. And you could make it any color. I didn't like OBS because I thought it was too confusing. So OBS was crap. confusing as heck to get into. Like I was, I was completely mystified. I had no idea. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I remember that. But um, honestly, like getting getting started was just the biggest learning curve. Mm -hmm. I think that's that was really fun for me at the time. 
Yeah. Just, there was so much to learn because I went from having like no experience with setting up audio, no experience setting up video or any of that. And just like my stream was real bad. Like when I started audio wise and stuff, mm -hmm. <laughs> like it was, it was not production value. What right? year did you start streaming Jess? 2017. Gotcha. Yep. Oh my gosh. Were you guys nervous on your first stream? Like, I was yeah. shaking the entire time on my first stream. <laughs> yeah. The first I time somebody shaking. talked to me, I like I I remember that my the feeling I had in my cheeks, like I turned red. Well, dude, 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 dude. So uh I have a friend who still comes by my stream and is still a moderator, but he was like a friend of mine that uh like really supported me when I first started streaming. He watched my streams and then he brought one of his friends in and said that they were random and didn't tell me to like way later. Oh bless. That's mean. <laughs> also like really sweet because I was so excited to get my first random oh. viewer. I see what you mean. You know, yeah. I thought that they were my first random viewer, and like I was so excited. That's great. Yeah, the, I I still remember like the first few times that I had I had viewers, and like I think like my motivation for initially starting, like I was first off like just blown away by the idea of Twitch and content creation, but I think it was just so cool like seeing somebody just making content mm -hmm. but like i had no idea how to just turn around and make content and so like it was just scuffed at first and i had no idea what i was doing like what was i playing what categories was i in like it uh, it was just craziness i was trying anything and everything and and that's i don't know that's how i found my first viewer who doesn't really show up that much anymore? Occasionally, he still does, and it's it's kind of neat actually, like to see, like our our paths have kind of gone different ways. But just to every now and then meet back up, you know, mm -hmm. and be like, "Wow, remember 2017?" <laughs> Dude, yeah, mine was uh, my first stream was November 11th, 2018. Yeah, I think I was. Uh, I think it would have been around. February, uh, yeah, Feb 2018, I think would have been my first stream. Oh, wow. So I'm the baby of the group then in that way. I mean, in more ways than one, but. <laughs> I sully gnomed myself to see when my first stream was, and I think it was February 2017. There yeah. you go. Because last year I had my, my five-year stream anniversary. Yeah, I had mine earlier this year, which is pretty bizarre to think about that. You know, that five years has gone by so quickly. It only feels like it's been... It still feels like it's 2020, honestly. I, Yeah, I know. So I keep saying this to, like, all of my subs, and I, I feel like a broken record. But, like, there are some people who were introduced to my channel, or I, I was introduced to them early pandemic, mm -hmm. and they started subscribing. And now their sub streaks are hitting like two years and stuff. And I'm just like, how? We yeah. just met. Yeah, I know. We literally just met like <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> I know. Dude, watching the sub number goes up is kind of scary because like someone will just resub and I'll be like, what do you mean you're at 30 months? Excuse you. <laughs> how, like some of my friends uh my online friends will like sub to me and i'll just be like we've been friends that long no nah there's nah 
Yeah. I think with um I I kind of skipped over that initial exciting period that you two I guess had in terms of oh yeah, you got your first viewer sort of thing because I already had that established audience from YouTube. I think I basically went from like, you know, to basically straight to like 10 viewers and they were pretty engaged and active viewers as well. And that's great though. Oh yeah. It was, it was amazing. Like it, it meant that I was pretty much instantly hooked from the first stream because I was like, okay, yeah. this is super fun. Everybody's super engaged. I'm getting all of the satisfaction that i would get from making youtube videos without having to edit so this is a win-win oh for me so i'm totally into this i hated editing too dude because like it's it's so hard not to make, like try to make it perfect when you edit like i do let's plays videos on my youtube now and like mm -hmm. i literally have told myself no we are not gonna edit this like if i actually edit it like beyond you know just making sure the end and me getting are good and there's no like awkward pauses um and by awkward pauses i mean like oh i had to pause the video and so like there's a moment where i was pausing it or something like that um if there's like if i were to edit it harder than that i would never post anything you know, it's yeah. never gonna be perfect. I'm always gonna find something I could change. So I just need to, I just need to put it out there and accept that. Like, I'll slowly grow and get better with time. Uh, yeah. Definitely. I hate editing as well. I, um, now outsource that <laughs> because I hate it that much. It was like one of those repetitive, mundane tasks that would get in the way of everything. My brain would just avoid it and dread it and i hated like having a stream because then i would have to go and edit the stream for you like to cut down the vod and stuff and like export it and i just I hated that the day i, I can afford everything. to hire an editor will be a very happy day i mean it's so i if we're, if we're talking about affording an editor realistically i can't but for mental health reasons, <laughs> it's worth it to me. Very I just have it's like it's an expense that I sink, basically, you know. <laughs> I've just like done everything I can to make it as streamlined as possible. Like I have a exact template. I write everything in on my YouTube stuff. I, you know, like when it's Twitch vods, I literally just grab the beginning and the end of each game, and just nab that you know and then each game comes it. out on a different day and it's like it's like what an hour of work every few weeks so i hate it that's fair <laughs> this could be this could be a good topic for our next adhd cast adhd cast and um mundane repetitive tasks and see how well that goes for all of us mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh i don't even have adhd or like i don't think i do i mean like i I show symptoms, but I think I show, like, a neurotypical amount of symptoms, I think. I don't know. All my friends have it, though, it feels like. I don't know why. Everyone's got the ADHD now. Dude. But, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding, by the way. There's got to be something with me socially in a way, though, because, like, some my, the way I space out about things, like, I got to have something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually have like a running theory right now that 
a lot of content creators are actually ADHD because it is a profession that appeals to an ADHD brain mm. because it's always something different. It's like you're, what you're doing each day changes and your interactions are different. Your experiences are different, like on a, on a daily basis, basically, because like recently a lot of content creators are like getting diagnosed or like Ooh. coming out that are coming or, or are coming out that they're ADHD mm. or like, neurodiverse and so I, uh, this is my running theory i need to like poll people <laughs> i think i think you're probably right that there is a higher amount of neurodivergent folks within the i, I think within any kind of creative uh profession i think there's a right. certain i think even even if you looked at like the people who u utilize twitch you would probably see that as well potentially Just because yeah of the, the nature of the platform mm-hmm I think there's also this is very off topic. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's I think it's relevant in that one of the things that I wanted to talk about was finding out more about how actually starting streaming on Twitch has impacted each of your lives and I mean what it's changed for us because I mean obviously we've all been doing this for, you know, over 5 years or coming up to 5 years now. So that's a pretty significant portion of our lives. So it's got to have had some degree of effect. Yeah, I I would I would say so. I mean, it's had huge impacts for me actually. Mm -hmm. Like absolutely massive. I think it's starting streaming and content creation has probably been responsible for some of like my biggest changes in life. Mm -hmm. For me personally, like I feel like I've grown a lot and I've gotten to like know myself better and be more comfortable as myself and like you know that sense of belonging i was talking about before like it's done wonders for my mental health so that's great yeah because you know i had a place to like talk about my problems and stuff a bit too i mean i just i mean some of the stuff i complained about when i was earlier was Halcyon knows way before I moved, they're just like, Sue, we get out of there, you know, because like it was a bit toxic living with my fam. Um, not due to their own faults necessarily, it's just, you know, like circumstantial stuff. And yeah, it it's just like being having my community and streaming and all of that has helped my mental health has helped me gain a lot more confidence, all of that good stuff. Yeah, I can definitely see how that would be a good outlet. Or at least a place to find reprieve from things that are, are challenging in life. And escapism, it, too. Like, Yeah. I mean, okay, I couldn't really escape when my sister was throwing tantrums. And I like was just streaming through that. That definitely happened. Um, but, you know. I think it's interesting that, in, in a way... I definitely avoided trying to create a community for as long as I could because I did not want the responsibility. <laughs> so I probably streamed for about a year before ever setting up like a Discord server or something like that. And I really, really tried to not use the word community because I used to kind of, whenever I'd hear it, it almost sounded corny. But then eventually after a, a year or so... <laughs> uh maybe maybe a couple of years i eventually was just like oh 
crap, I have actually made a community here, haven't I? <laughs> yeah, I was I was kind of the same. Like I didn't start I don't know. I like I didn't start with any goal in mind. Like mm -hmm. of course I went from not knowing anything about Twitch to seeing like these major success stories and being like, holy crap, that's something that can happen to people. Like, wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. But I, it's not necessarily like something I set out from, set out for from the beginning. At the same time though, like having that be one of my first impressions, I think has always kind of been a little bit negative for me as far as like setting goals, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you see people like, uh, for example, Pokimane has like, you know, she shot in a stardom, right? And so I was watching her just or like looking at her just like, oh, I want to do that. But in reality, like, that's not really feasible. I mean, there's always a chance, but it's not really feasible, you know, like, it's not, it's so unlikely. But at the same time, I'm just like, oh, but what if it did, you know? And then you just yeah, I mean, of, it of could spiral. Course, like now, nowadays, like I'm very realistic about things, but at the same time, like I had no idea what I was doing. That oh, was sorry, that was my cat bonking my microphone. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. Like, why am I streaming? I don't know. I just am. And honestly, that's how a lot of my five plus years of streaming has been. Mm. Like transitioning from like a a hobby streamer into a full-time streamer wasn't even necessarily a move with like a plan. It was mostly like I hit a quarter life crisis <laughs> oh. and like I, at the time was working in research and I, I have a degree in biology. I was working as a researcher slash lab tech and stuff and supporting research projects and was kind of faced with a decision. Like, do I go forward in my education as in get a master's and get a PhD and enter academia or what else am I going to do? Like, this is what I've trained for, but turns out I hate it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I kind of had, I was kind of faced with that. It can be and very tedious <laughs> being like a lab tech or a, a research assistant or something. I actually liked that job. The problem was there was no growth. Unless you sure. furthered your qualifications, as in went to school and racked up more debt and stuff. Gotcha. And so this was around the same time where I encountered content creation. And really, I think what appealed to me was just the complete freedom of it and the creativity. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know at the time because, you know, like being diagnosed with ADHD was only recent, but... I just really craved that kind of outlet. Mm -hmm. Like I've, I've always been very geared toward creativity. Like at the time I was doing a lot of cosplay with my IRL friends and things. And so it was just cool to be able to take gaming, which was previously a solo hobby or like something I shared immediately with friends and like make something creative out of it. Oh my gosh. I never played single player games prior to streaming. Like, I would literally only play multiplayer games because I got too lonely when I played single player. <laughs> like, legit. And if I did play a single player game, I always did it, like, in a call with a friend who was also playing the same single player game. Like, 
it was just it was a thing for me back then and now like I can play single player games even like off stream not recording but you know back then I couldn't because I just got lonely and, like games was my socialization time and I didn't otherwise really get socialization time mm. Mm. yeah, that yeah that's not the case for me at all <laughs> not not for me I've I before streaming actually it was like very I don't want to say private with my gaming I just did it since I since I've been a kid, like it's just something I did, like with yeah. friends by myself. I played all kinds of things, but I think this would be a topic for a, a different themed episode <laughs> about relationships with games changing, becoming a streamer. But like I have totally experienced that, and like streaming has completely changed, like how I I go about gaming now. I think it's yeah. interesting looking at the the kind of progression of of getting more involved of with with streaming and that line between a hobby and uh, a job because i was definitely somebody who was always adamant that this was just a hobby and i kind of <laughs> said that there's like i think about three years in was where my stream started to get you know a little bit larger I think around then was when I got partnered and, you know, people would be like, oh, Drongo, you're going to go full time. And I was, my answer was always not, there's no way I would ever go full time with streaming. It's just not, you know, it's not certain enough income, you know, it's, there's so many different factors that go into it. And I was just like, no, I'm not interested. I've got a good job that I'm happy with now. I don't have any plans on leaving it. I'm just going to, you know, keep on keeping on. And it wasn't until probably another year after that where my revenue from Twitch was starting to grow to a point where it's like, you know, maybe, maybe it is something that's feasible. I don't know. Should I consider it? And then it wasn't until I had, um, some health diagnoses at the end of, uh, oh God, it would have been 2021 now. Uh, that I was just like, you know what? I'm going to either have to stop streaming or have to stop my day job and I have to make a decision because the realistically I was doing like for the entire time that I've been streaming, I was doing like maybe 20 to 30 hours a week on stream stuff and then I'll be doing 60 to 70 hours a week on my day job uh, in finance. And I'd done that for like four years and I just, it just was not sustainable at that point. So I was literally forced to make that decision. I was just like, well, you know what? I will leave that behind. And it just so happened that there was a, a couple of decisions that were made within my job that made that decision to be go in a particular direction a little bit easier because I had just had a, I just had enough with it. <laughs> I was just like, okay, I'm ready for something else. And so I was like, all right, fine. I'll, I'll give it a go and, and see how it, see how it works out so i've been full-time now for nearly a year which is bizarre to think that it's been that long already i've been saying but not by choice <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to find a job but i've been job searching for nearly a year now so i've been pretty much full-time that whole time um but i just thought of something is uh when i was really little when i was like five right I always wanted to be a famous singer because I wanted to, like, be able to go out and make a crowd happy and, like, make them smile and just brighten up their days. 
and something about streaming is like I get to do that and I don't have to do something like singing or something where like getting an audience is like nearly impossible you know like I can do it just by being myself and not really worrying about anything else right you know I kind of have that in common a bit not so much with singing but as a kid I kind of wanted a profession to help people me too and not necessarily that streaming helps people but in in some ways I think it does like as a kid I was thinking that I wanted to be like a doctor or same. something same if it wasn't I mean, singer I, I, it was doctor for me <laughs> <laughs> I I mean I, I majored in biology I've did I was an EMT for a long time like training and like preparing to potentially go and continue training to enter the medical field which I'm very glad that I didn't do but yeah it's it's ended up being like a, a creative outlet that sort of meets that drive I've always had mm. in my life like just wanting to like do something to benefit others me too I think the desire to create is definitely something that at least resonates with me. I I, I never wanted to be a singer. I don't have any kind of musical uh, talents, but well, I have either. always enjoyed entertaining people and telling stories was always something that I've been, you know, fairly, fairly good at. And that was kind of my thing at school was being able to tell a good story, tell, spin a good yarn to your mates kind of thing, which is a very typical thing in Australia. And that was, uh, you know, the kind of pathway that I, you know, was like, oh man, that would be great. And I think when I finished school, uh, high school, I put in my yearbook that I wanted to go into, into radio <laughs> to entertain people. And it's kind of funny that even though that's not what's happened in a lot of ways, where I am now is kind of a better version of what uh, 18 or 17-year-old me would have envisaged. And if it wasn't that, yeah. then I would have been a marine biologist, um, not a doctor. <laughs> I mean, that's that's where I ended up going. Like, once I once I got into college and everything, I actually, like, not so much marine biology, but, yeah, like, environmental biology and stuff. And I really liked it. It's just I don't like everything else involved with, like, people. Mm -hmm. and <laughs> unfortunately oh i didn't have the grades to go to university or uh college i guess you guys would call it um so it was it was never an option for me but it was uh you know it, it's just funny how these things end out uh, end up because i think when I left school and I didn't get into any of the schools that I was hoping to get into to do, I think it was either media studies or journalism were the general courses that I was applying for to get a bachelor's degree in those. And I didn't get into any of those. So I was just like, oh, well, there goes that. And so I obviously made the the jump from wanting to go into to TV and radio to becoming a cobbler. So that's the, the obvious jump there. And I never thought that I'd end up where I am now. So it's kind of nice. A cobbler's shoes, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think, like, I just had to confirm. Every time I hear the word cobbler, I think of like a road, like a, mm -hmm. a cobblestone road. <laughs> well, it's a, a dying art. There's a lot of people that don't know what cobbler is, cobblers are. I, I would believe it's a dying art. 
See, yeah. I only ever read about them in books growing up. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear of it being a real thing. I thought it was like a thing from like, not now. No, I am a fully qualified cobbler, and I can also do engraving and all kinds of leatherworking and saddlery. That's super cool. I would love to get involved in leatherworking. Hashtag on the bucket list, by the way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's it's very satisfying. Along with blacksmithing. Blacksmithing would be super cool. Uh, woodworking. <laughs> Honestly, like, I, I think... The, that sort of like physical creative work is an excellent outlet for me. If I wasn't going to do this, I think I know now that I would like to go back into something like that because it is just problem solving and everything's different every day. You're always doing something different, but you're always, you know, thinking about stuff and having to come up with solutions to things and, and making something and you have something to show for it at the end of the day. And it always feels very satisfying. That's why I I liked cosplaying. Mm -hmm. Like I I would make my own cosplay and stuff like yeah, foam and everything. It was great. I keep favorite. wanting to get back into it. Well, what? Like your best cosplay? Night Solaire. That was the peak of of my my cosplay career. But then I moved and we didn't have room for it, and I've just never gotten back into it. Yeah, I That's feel like fair. even if I wasn't streaming, I'd be doing something for the creative energy, though it would probably be in music still. I don't know. Maybe it would have shifted to something more physical now. I don't know. Uh, this is an interesting thing. I do sometimes find myself thinking, to thinking, you know, what would I be doing if I wasn't doing this? And it's kind of bizarre. I'm I think about it like every time I have a stream where like I don't make enough money. <laughs> as a full-time content creator i think that like that enough is like it's relative but i think we all know it know that feeling yeah and it's just like what what's my fallback plan here it's like <laughs> I, it's, I think last last week i had a stream where i made like 16 dollars for, <laughs> for like five hours work and i'm just like oh it's a good stream Oh boy, what am, what 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 am I gonna do next? Is everything falling apart? Am I gonna have to go get a job again? <laughs> you just have those days sometimes, and uh -huh. but, oh my gosh, but yeah. you have those thoughts every time. When I get streams mm, like that, like weekly, when I get streams like that, I literally am just like, the next day you see me like putting in a little extra work on my job search. <laughs> <laughs> Cause like days like when it's going particularly well on stream, I will just like put job searching off for a little bit, <laughs> and then when it starts not doing well again, I'm like, all right, job search time, let's go. Yeah. I, I mean, I I do worry like what is an appropriate fallback plan because I don't have one. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I mean, <sighs> like I I'm. I, I could go back into what I was doing. Like, I don't think I burned any bridges, but I, like, I don't know that I would want to. And I feel like I'd be starting over in something, like a different career entirely. Mm -hmm. Just like starting, starting back in, uh, what's the phrase, square one? Yeah. I think the benefit of my situation was the fact that I made a very conscious and specific planned move into being full-time. So... I was able to make sure I've got, you know, uh, you know, 
plenty of savings, didn't have any debt, you know, making sure everything was as planned out and structured as I possibly can. And even now moving forwards, I've still got like little check-in points and little milestones that I need to be kind of at least trending towards achieving to kind of justify the decision I've made to keep on doing this. And I have an exit plan. I have an exit strategy. I know what I'm going to do. So if it does, if it doesn't work out, then I'm comfortable that it's okay. It's okay. And that's a good feeling to know that I have a plan to, if I need to put it behind and I can just look back on streaming as a positive thing. And that was a, you know, a nice time in my life where I gave that a try and gave that a real crack what you that do is, like that is that is very mature and responsible of you i know i'm not that <laughs> mature and responsible i know that much <laughs> i i am not that organized enough but i'm curious what your like what your full pack job would be jongo well i mean so if if i had to go back in the short term I could easily go back into finance. So working, so prior to streaming full time, I was a business banking manager. So I would specialize in uh, small businesses and startups and basically looking after them from a client perspective uh, for, for banks and things like that. And that's a, a pretty specialized role because it's a very highly regulated industry and there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of, knowledge and experience that needs to go with that but at the same time there's a lot of people skills involved as well so there's kind of a venn diagram overlap of what i can bring to the table in that respect so i'm confident i could go back into finance and my plan would be to go back into that for at least a couple of years which i could do comfortably and then after that i would i would look for a more physical creative job um Along the way as well, I'm also open to the idea of going into the game industry, either in some kind of finance role or even into a creative or community management role st style thing. But at the moment, the industry isn't exactly uh, flourishing in that respect. It's a pretty tough and competitive place right now. So that's <laughs> not something I'm banking on or planning on, but I it's know another about option that. that I'd be happy with. I know all about that. Been unemployed, mm -hmm. searching for a job in the game industry for a year now. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's, it's rough. Like, you gotta, you just gotta get lucky and have someone take a bet on you, you know? And mm -hmm. getting that first person to take a bet on you is so hard in the gaming industry. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine. Well, I can't, I can't imagine, but I, I can't imagine being in that position. Yeah, I'm just lucky that, like, you know, I don't need a job right now. You know, like, I'm being supported and told to uh, take the time that I need to take to get a good job, something that I really want, rather than just needing to go into something right away. Like, if I needed to go into something right away, I could. Um, I'd probably look at tech a lot harder, but yeah. I think that's a, a good place to be, and I think you can end up in a lot of a lot of emotional turmoil if you're kind of you know having to take the first thing that comes along puts a lot of pressure on you i do feel bad about kind of feeling like i'm like 
uh, a bit of a freeloader right now, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know I'm not, and, like, I'm still streaming basically full-time, and I'm job searching, and it's not like I'm not doing anything, but I still feel like a freeloader, and I still feel guilty about, like, not making enough money to, you know, end up being able to pay for what I'm eating, even, you know? Oh, gosh, it sounds like me. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I I um feel guilty about that stuff all the time too. Even though like it's fine, like recovered and everything, we got it worked out. I I'm still just like I don't make enough money. Yeah. I suck. <laughs> Me too. Like, oh man, I make so little that I don't even technically have to file taxes. No, that I don't think that can be true. No, it is. If you make like under 12k if you're if you're doing like our no, type of job you, you still have to file if you make over 600 dollars. really so he's just like oh no no it's fine like but like the person who um because it's all self-employment i don't know this is what the person who was doing my taxes said Okay, I mean, and I, it was through like I'm, I'm fairly you know, certain the person doing my taxes is through HR Block. So, uh, okay, well, I'm not a I'm not a tax professional, but I'm fairly certain yeah. I read this year that you have to file if you make over six hundred dollars. I don't know how it works fully, and I I could be claiming. What I don't said either, wrong. to be honest. Like they just said that in my exact situation, I technically do not have to file, but because I was a student last year. I should, oh, yeah. With so this, I can get the yeah. opportunity credit. Mm. So, because like I'll make money by filing, um, but they said I technically don't have to, and I don't fully know how it works, and I'm not gonna pretend I do because I don't want to give someone like incorrect advice or anything. Um, but yeah, talk yes, to your tax, tax people for tax stuff. <laughs> I I don't know anything about taxes. Um, I might have a weird, unique situation. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the American tax situation at large is completely convoluted and makes uh, no sense. So, you know, bizarre. that could be true. It literally <laughs> is complicated to make companies like H&R Block more money. Like that's... We are getting so sidetracked. <laughs> Who cares? Dude, we covered like the most important part of this episode. We're not we're fine, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. I, I I definitely sympathize with that struggle. I think if I found myself in that position where I was like having to dip into my savings to pay for basic necessities on a regular basis. I do have like a pool of money that I dip into because obviously, you know, money each month will fluctuate depending on what's going on. But if I'm not at least making it, you know, breaking even, then I I don't think I would continue doing this. I'm not, I, I think at that point I would, I would look to do something else because I just, I mean, yeah. I am looking to do something else, but <laughs> <laughs> the plan would be to keep streaming part time. Um mm -hmm. if I do get it when I do get a full time job, but yeah. Yeah, that's totally fair. That makes complete sense. And I mean ultimately 
everybody's situation is entirely different and what what works for one person isn't necessarily going to work for another person. Oh, yeah. That's one thing that, like, as a kid, I didn't understand. I always assumed everyone's situation was the same and, like, I would judge people for, like, the stupidest stuff when I was younger. I used to be so, like, judgy and I forget what the right word is, but... I used to be very like, oh, I'm better because X, Y, Z, you know, even though like, oh, I'm better because I have better grades. Well, not everybody viewed grades as like the thing that makes them a better person. <laughs> mm. Is the word you're looking for elitism? Uh, yeah, I was so elitist. Oh my <laughs> god, <laughs> I'm so glad I'm better now. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good response to that. Uh, yeah. Uh, elitism really <laughs> bothers me. That's like one of my real pet peeves. It's just like, I think because I've lived and traveled around the world so much and I've lived in a lot of different situations myself, I have a an appreciation for a lot of different lifestyles and, you know, backgrounds and cultures and things like that. And whenever I come across somebody who's like, you know, I'm better than everybody else. I, I know the way I'm utterly confident in that fact. It, it really rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. I used to be that way me too. I'm mm -hmm. happy to admit that I used to be that way though, because like recognizing that I was that way is huge on its own. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Having the self-awareness and the introspection to be able to come to that kind of realization and, um, you know, be aware of that and own it as well, I think is really cool. Hear that, guys? It's okay that past you was cringy. Just own mm -hmm. it and accept <laughs> it and know that you've moved on and you're better now. And, you know, constantly bettering yourself is the most important thing for a person to do, in my opinion. I cannot agree with more with that. That is. I agree. I think that's also well. one of the nice things about doing what this is, uh, like content creation full time, is that it does give me the opportunity to continue to try and, you know, learn things and, and do things to better myself, which is really nice. Yeah, it, there's always something new to learn mm -hmm. and something new to be doing. And like no day is the same. Your interactions with people are never the same. It's Honestly, it's a good way to grow, especially as someone with like anxiety and social anxiety. Like it's been very helpful for me to work towards developing social skills and things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I've recently within the last year started learning another language, which I've wanted to do for a long time. And I've learned more about Photoshop and stuff like that. And yeah, just spending more time on upskilling myself has been very rewarding. Yeah, totally. Like the amount of things that I've taught myself since starting streaming and content creation is just like the list is huge. Yeah. And like I've actually had this conversation. Um, actually, I mean, if, if we're going there, like with my therapist, actually, like back when we were first getting to know each other, she told me at one point that she was just so amazed at like what the job required. And she, she was saying there's like no hat for it. Like you wear all the hats, mm -hmm. 
like any any hat you can think of is like what's required <laughs> yeah. of a content creator True. and like that i had never thought of it that way before i'm just like wow yeah i mean i have done more like with my brain doing this than most things before i feel like it's maybe college as a but, content creator uh i've also learned a lot that like with learning a new thing it's okay to like learn just the very base of what you need and slowly grow in it over time and it doesn't matter how slow that growth is like I used to think that you had to go really in depth and everything and you had to understand the ins and outs if you could just make it work that's (laughs) everything like you know (laughs) um, I'm constantly learning more about making images look the way I want you know like oh the other day I learned how to do a select of a rectangle but make the edges rounded you know yeah. like that's such a random little thing but like I, I don't need to know how to like use the magic wand tool precisely you know I don't use the magic wand tool I think I think that's probably a, a really useful just in general life skill is being able to understand how to teach yourself something and how to self-motivate learn something i think being Mm -hmm. able to apply that just in everyday life is just so incredibly useful oh yeah also knowing figuring out how to ask for help and when to ask for help and not having the shame of asking for help um because a lot of things i've noticed is people who struggle with things so often, people literally could just go ask for help, but they have too much shame to ask for a little help. And, you know, it wouldn't bother the other person for more than five minutes and it would be life-changing for them and they just don't do it. And that's so something, that's a huge I, thing. I, yeah, I used to be that way. It's something you'd see a lot in finance. <laughs> like, uh, you would see a lot of people that were... I don't know if I guess it goes like pride and shame almost go hand in hand in a lot of ways. Oh yeah, but it often would feel like they were too proud to ask for help with situations, and you'd see things go awry all the time. And even in uh, on the on the other side of that, like on the client end, you would see small business owners and things like that being too proud to reach out and say, "Hey, you know, I'd I'd really you know benefit from help with this. Do you have any insights?" and you're actually reaching out to people and acknowledging that there is expertise and insights and perspectives that other people have on the same issue that you're tackling can be so incredibly beneficial like there's just so much value to be found there and there's absolutely nothing wrong with reaching out with that that's not your shortcoming it's a shortcoming as a human and we all share that you know we all only have one perspective so like even if you don't know who to reach out to at least like talk to your friends and those who are close to you about your issues because they might know someone you can reach out to mm-hmm. you know like you don't need to know who is actually to reach out to as long as you talk about it someone's gonna know who you can reach out to you know like someone's gonna know who's, who's gonna know who's gonna know you know well, isn't hopefully. there like a theory where everyone in the world is like only... Seven, seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yeah. <laughs> there, there you go. Anyone who's listening to this, I picked out a reference. Nice. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Add it to the list of three references 
that I made this week regarding pop culture. Hold on. Wow, three's so way more than me. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. It, it is it is a meme, okay, in my community. Okay. <laughs> that I live under a rock. <laughs> Same though. I don't understand like, pop culture references. Oh my gosh. And for me, after I watch a movie, like a year later, I have no recollection of it. So people will make like references to shows or in movies and I'm just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And they'll say what it is. So I was like, yeah, I, I saw that like five years ago. Um, I can tell you like one random fact about it and that's all of my knowledge of this thing. Yeah, I once I've better than nothing. Once I've consumed a movie, it all kind of just becomes a blur, unless it's like ridiculously good. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Harry Potter's a blur for me, even though I loved it. Um, most anime is a blur, even though I've loved a lot of anime. It's because you watched it too fast. Oh, <laughs> I like binging. Okay, um, <laughs> I'm speaking from experience. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's all a blur, and, like, I forget it so fast, and then people are like, how do you not remember this cultural reference? And I'm like, I don't know, and they'll, they'll make a Disney reference, and I'll be like, yeah, I watched the heck out of Sleeping Beauty as a little kid. I know it was one of my favorites. Um, She pricks her needle on a wheel, like, spinning wheel thing. Was that Sleeping Beauty? I I don't know that yeah. I've seen Sleeping Beauty. Oh, okay. Yeah, she pricks her wheel on like this spinning wheel, which I don't even know what a spinning wheel does, <laughs> or why it has a needle. From from my <laughs> my dwarf fortress knowledge, I believe that is how you create, um, like, yeah, what Ranger said. No, it's not a loom. <laughs> it is not a loom. A loom is like for making rugs or yeah. fabric. Uh... Yeah, yeah a spinning wheel would be to make the actual thread, I believe. I don't know. Yeah, could be the, the thread to then put in the loom, I yeah, believe. that would make sense. I'm not an expert at this. Like, this is outside of my uh, cobbling, cobbling expertise here. I did not have a, a spinning wheel. I have absolutely no idea what happens with Sleeping Beauty. Like, I know she pricks her finger and a prince eventually comes and kisses her and wakes her up. But, like, what's the rest of it? I don't know. <laughs> Okay, so to bring this on, back onto topic <laughs> and to perhaps round out the episode, uh, if you were to give somebody who is thinking of starting their own streaming career and getting started on Twitch themselves now, I guess what would be the number one thing that you would say to them, uh, Sui? Just... You know, get the very, very bare minimum to be able to go live setup. Get a stream key into OBS. Uh, make sure that your microphone is displaying. Make sure that you have, like, a vi visual displaying. Okay, now press live. Start stream. You can figure it out live. It's okay. People expect things to go wrong on streams. Just press the start button or you're not going to ever press it. That's solid advice. I like it. What about you, Jess? I'm glad that you called on Sui first because it gave me some time to <laughs> <laughs> to think about my answer to this question. Uh, I I think um, I guess it kind of depends on like what the what the goal is, right? I think I would tell said person to set their expectations or like know 
Mm. Yes. Set expectations, what they want out of it. Mm -hmm. Like, is it just going to be a hobby? Is it, do you actually want to try and make something out of your stream? Or are you, are you streaming just for some friends? Questions like this, because like when I got into streaming, those were not questions that I answered until way too late in this whole like chain of events. It's something I just avoided and, and didn't answer. And I do think it kind of impacted my view, my progress, and also like the way that I approach things early on. Mm -hmm. And so if I could go back in time, I would have loved to have had more of a game plan, both with, with getting started, knowing like, or I guess having something tangible to work towards when first starting, but then also when making the decision to go full time and stop doing the thing that I had been doing for years, like actually have a plan. Cause I very impulsively just, you know, did what I did, but I think I, I think I already told you about the ADHD thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. I think I like both of your points. I think the only thing that I would add on on top of that is just kind of a, a caveat that streaming is pretty hard. You know, it's definitely not the hardest job out there uh, by any stretch of the imagination. There's a lot of really, really good things. If it's something you aspire to do as, as a job or even as a hobby, I think it's worth knowing, though, before you really invest yourself into it, that it is really tough uh, especially from a mental perspective. It's very emotionally taxing. And if you're not ready for that, and if you're not in a place to be able to balance that, I think it can be something that can be very tricky to navigate because you, even when you're acutely aware of the fact that you're, you know, maybe somebody who is susceptible to maybe like anxiety or depression or things like that, putting yourself in a position where you're ruled by metrics and even being aware of that, it still affects you. And I think if you can go into it with the right headspace and I think what you said, Jess, about uh, setting yourself like a, like clarifying with yourself what your goals are and what you actually want out of streaming is a, a really good idea. That way that can somewhat negate perhaps some of the emotional responses that you can get. And you are going to have lots and lots of ups and downs as a streamer as you progress. Yeah. And you know what? I, I agree with you entirely. The mental aspect of it, like the first time I went full time, I just wasn't expecting what I encountered. Mm -hmm. You know, like just the mental hurdle that I hit. Like it was a really rough time and like at the same time too Solentre had a lot of stuff going on like with his work and things and it was just like I was so not ready for it <laughs> oh and yeah. one thing that everyone who streams probably experiences uh, is a really weird thing about emotions and streaming right when you finish a really really good stream two hours later you can be like the most just emotionally just like bleh <laughs> like you could be so happy after a good stream and then next thing you know you're just sad and you don't know why 
it's just like the emotions are weird with streaming i don't know if you guys have this experience too but i mm, yeah after a stream i usually get very antisocial. <laughs> yes same oh. <laughs> i just like check out from social media mm. after a stream <laughs> talk to my boyfriend and that's it like i will not want to deal with people i just I go watch some Netflix and do not bug me. Okay, cool. That's one of the benefits <laughs> for me of, of finishing late at night is that there is literally nobody there to bother me. So I can just sit there Same. for a couple of hours and just veg out and unwind and Same. unpack everything. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm definitely antisocial though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's rough. It takes a lot of energy. And then, like, I don't know, I don't know how some streamers will stream raid someone and then stay in their chat for just, like a couple hours. Like, I can't do that. I raid and run. Like, I'm just emotionally spent. Bye. I mm-hmm. no, I'm not. I can't. <laughs> My yeah. spoons are gone. And I'm gonna every- go like, fetch. Everybody's um, capacity for that sort of thing is is very different. I think. And I guess that's, a, you know, another probably good bit of advice for people is that it's probably a good idea to really try not to compare yourself to people on a consistent basis because <laughs> everybody has different situations. Everybody has different uh, capacity to put in time and effort and energy and everybody has different circumstantial and environmental factors that can go into either succeeding or failing and there's so many different bits and pieces that have to come together to make a successful stream that it's really unfair on yourself to heavily compare yourself to others. And I think it's something to try and try to avoid if you can. No, that's also very, very good advice, especially with Twitch actually like a lot of benefits like as a as a North American streamer, we don't experience those benefits as much as other regions do. And like probably like my mid streaming career, like I got really salty over it. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. it was it was really tough to see mm-hmm. like people in other countries getting support from from Twitch and like getting opportunities and getting exposure and just like meanwhile being drowned in like North American streamer stuff, you know? Yep. No, I feel that. <laughs> yep. That's understandable. And so I, I think that that's really, really good advice. Like starting learning to kind of detach myself from that impulse to compare my situation to others has helped me a lot. And being able to grow my own personality and grow my own content and grow myself rather than what I feel like I should be, where where I should be and what I should be. And it can be hard to like watch people who started streaming like way after you suddenly like you know become like massive compared to you and you just have to take a step back like they're different they're not me like mm-hmm. their situation is different like I don't know I can't do anything about it doesn't necessarily mean that one of us is better than the other it's just kind of how things worked yep yeah and, and absolutely and I mean ultimately when it comes down to it you could put two identical people in two identical situations and luck is still going to be a factor in there if nothing else ends up being different luck is still a factor so it's it's not fair to kind of open yourself up to that kind of criticism but i think 
that is where we might wrap things up for today for this themed episode. Um, Sui, why don't you tell people who you are and where people can find you? Yeah, sure. I am Sui. Um, I stream a lot. I like indie games a lot. <laughs> um, lots of wholesome games. Lots of post-apocalyptic games as well is kind of my jam. Um, and you can find me on Twitch. It's Sui S U. Yeah, <laughs> I struggled. Okay, hold on, hold on. <laughs> it's S U W E Y. And then um, it's also YouTube slash at Sui. And then if you want to get to my VOD archive, it's at Sui Streams. And then I'm also at Sui Streams on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, etc. There we go. Beautiful. And uh, Jess, where can people find you and who are you? Who am I? Good question. The big <laughs> questions, the easy ones. Yeah, requires some introspection, but... Before we do that, you can find me at uh, twitch.tv slash W-O-A-H-H underscore J-E-S-S, Wojess, uh, on, on Twitch. On Twitter and YouTube, you can find me with the same letters, but the underscores at the end rather than the middle because somebody stole my username on Twitch. <laughs> Rude. And I stream uh, Mondays through third. No, I changed my schedules. I My schedule, I stream Tuesday through Friday nowadays and i stream a lot of strategy um management and indie variety perfect thank you and i have been your host <laughs> bloody drongo uh, i am a variety streamer on twitch where you can find me live four nights a week i am also a commission artist and a voice actor and uh, you can find me on twitch as bloody drongo all one word same name on uh youtube if you want to go back and check out some of those old you prior to twitch youtube videos that i mentioned earlier in this episode and you can find me on twitter as at the bloody drongo uh and if you want to get more of this podcast you can go to halcyonfrequency.com or any other podcast platform and if you can't find it on that podcast platform let us know and we'll get it on there new episodes every sunday and if you want to talk about this episode, you can join the Halcyon Frequency Discord. And a quick thank you to Peter Paul and Peter uh, Paul Miles for the music uh, in this podcast, which you're currently listening to. This has been the Halcyon Frequency. Don't touch that dial. Signing off. Bye.